roll that beautiful, beans. beautiful clap footage. Roll those beans. Roll them beans. Roll them beautiful singular beans. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Double Issue. It's me, Quentin, and I'm joined today by me, Daniel, and together we are the Double Duo. Double Issue well, Duo. What is this show about? Well, we're here to tell you some stories set in this superhero universe that we've been creating since episode one. We didn't start before because that would be cheating. <laughs> Sometimes we do like brainstorming world builds. This isn't one of those times. This is one of the times where we read some short stories to you. So here we go. Story one. Now, we have some preamble beforehand. So you're going to jump straight in with no no banter? No sass? What is this, sir? No. Actually, everyone listening right now has the same amount of knowledge about my story as Daniel currently does. I made him not read it before we started recording. I had read the first paragraph. But I stopped. It was a dark and stormy night, and then so on and so forth. Yeah, it's as far as I got. But yeah, this week's prompt is part three. We are writing a third part to the only two-parter we've had in this series so far. We did, way back when, we did Cliffhanger, and then we wrote the conclusion to each other's story as resolution. And now we're coming back to those stories for a third part. But long story short, if you haven't listened to those, maybe listen to those episodes. And I mean, <laughs> probably fine to jump in. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> but you can listen to those. And if you haven't listened to the world in between them, I think that's a good a good three-part primer for you. A three-part primer for part three. Yeah, three-part primer primer for part three. But I think that those series of episodes is really good for this format because we set up some stories that we're each going to conclude and then we cover something in a world build that Daniel actually incorporates into his conclusion of the story. So something that didn't really exist in the world before we did the world build comes into the conclusion of the story we started before the world build. And I think that's really neat yeah. how that worked out. And this is all part of our follow-up month. Season. Yeah. <laughs> it's the season of follow-up. We'll be doing a follow-up epi- world build episode next week. And then another follow-up story, I believe. Yeah, I think we've got two more okay. s- follow-up stories planned. Yeah. And... We've got any number of follow-up for world builds we could do. We're trying to plan out which ones we can actually do logistically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we wanted to do Citadel Part 2 because we've been talking about doing that one for a while. But it's been hard getting Josh with his work schedule. Yeah, and it just changed again or is about to change. I don't know. That's part of the logistics we have to overcome. So I believe, well, one... I want to say I did have a story called Part 3 before that I was writing in college as a serial for my friends. I was going to ask about that. Is that Did that come up in this? No. Oh, uh, okay. This is the conclusion for it, though. Oh, okay. No, there were a lot of things in Part 3 that I never got 
to. I don't know if I concluded it or not. There was no real conclusion because I was going to do a part four, but I can't remember if I even got to the conclusion of part three. I remember part three was based in Russia, right? No. And there was like Zodiac cards. That was going to be part four. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of planning that went on for that. <laughs> and it was just going to be called Two Weeks in Russia instead of Part 4. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that was a very weird series. <laughs> it had people we actually knew as characters. Yeah. And I think I went to like Technology Afterlife Oh, was part of it. And some character took a toaster and then did like a high dive onto the toaster just from the standing position so that the, when the toaster died the technology it would go to the technology afterworld but if you dove right into like the pieces as it was dying you could also go there oh <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry right. you were just like diving into a broken toaster so you just had to murder a toaster every time you wanted to go to the technology over? I mean, once you got there, you're there. Yeah. I'm sure there's other ways. Just seems really violent to all those toasters. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that was yeah. one of the first things I, like, wrote, wrote. Yeah. I remember you were writing them at the same time I was writing my first major project, uh, Cloud Sea. Mm. So I remember us talking a lot about our projects at night. Yeah. I finished that book, technically. <laughs> it's real awful, so... If you like the mistakes I make in these stories, <laughs> you would love that one. A sea of clouds. Yeah. But uh, before we get into the stories, yeah. I've got some really brief little bits. Yeah. Brief little bits. Oh, yeah. Get those little bits back in those briefs. Do, 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 little bits. Daniel's little bits. So first, I had an idea for kind of a general arc for Baron Von Kill and Count Smackdown. Okay. Because I wanted to kind of sketch that out a little. I think they're just going to be on a villain road trip, basically. In the background, (laughs) it's like a B-plot. And so just every now and again, it'll just be like a brief, like, in the background doing something wacky. But I think at a very integral part of the story, they should finally have the upper hand in their quest for vengeance. And they could just completely screw up everything that everyone's been working towards and then the count and the baron are like oh actually i guess we could just like like it was just really nice like hanging out with you on the road i guess we could just go like go be a couple and stop being villains (laughs) and just okay i don't i just really like the idea of just a road trip just like a road trip b plot story yeah so like maybe they're like buying snacks at a gas station randomly in the background of the story or i don't know well we'll think about it more but that was just an idea i had so final fantasy 15 of our universe yeah they wear a lot of gothic clothes so maybe that works out yeah my other little bit was that i searched little bits online just to see what was out there and marvel swept in and stole our ip and they made a toy line called little bits it's not okay we need to protect our ip i'm looking at this now i don't think it's a toy line by marvel called little bits i think it's a company called little bits that has a marvel line i think marvel listened to our podcast that's what's one of our downloads they stole it They stole our little bits. Little bits no, is it the New like York-based education startup that invented <laughs> the electronic building block. These magnetic bits snap together to turn ideas into inventions. Well, I guess if you actually look them up and read about their about page, you could see that. But I just thought that was really wonderful that in this day and age, 
there's already something called Little Bits. Oh, yeah. So Little Bits, please don't sue us. You can use our theme song if you want. Yeah, Little Bits, you can license our theme song <laughs> if, you, if you want that. This looks like a cool thing. Yeah, I actually... I was reading a Twitter feed about a guy that bought it for one of his kiddos, and he said they actually felt like like they were a gadget hero because of the stuff they learned from playing with this. Because they've got, like, Iron Man's arm, and you can just do stuff with it. Yeah, it looks like you can uh, program it in different ways is what it is. Is like I think it's to, like, help you, like, learn how to build stuff and program stuff. And so they got yeah. this little inventor arm kit thing that, like, looks like Looks like Iron Man's hand, but it looks like you can customize it to be different superheroes. Yeah, you got like the little bits of code to set up how the, the thing works. That's pretty neat. Yeah. I guess. Do you want to do a story? Yeah. Do we want to break up break up our regular sequence and do my story first? Yeah, because I want to save my story for after years. Yeah, all right. Because I want to keep the surprise a little bit longer. Quentin likes his long cons. Yeah, I was bald for a while. Yeah, like six months. No, it was like two months. Oh, we still didn't know. You got into a hot tub, and we were all like, why is he wearing a beanie? Eh, this is probably normal. Yeah. It's just cold. Yeah, I mean, we were drinking, so probably didn't question much anyways. Story time! Yeah. Split ends. By Daniel J. Poole. Everything happened too fast. Doubleday could figure out who the imposter was. He was all over Dr. Drake's moon lab. Then he stopped cold before appearing over Ijeval. He drove one of his katanas through the legendary hero. I gripped three of myself, and we fell together into one person holding a scream with one set of arms. Sparks blew out of Ijeval's wounds. The Martian broke the sword in half and ran double take through with several of their tentacles. The thing hurled the hero to the ground. That's when Paladin charged. She ignited her afterburners. The heavy armor flew across the smooth metal floor. With a precise rocket field kick, she sent the robotic alien sailing through the closest observation window. She scooped up double take and threw him over her shoulder, while dragging her fingers into the floor with her free hand. More sparks showered her as she came to a stop right before the glass gave way behind her. Air rushed out of the hole, pulling everything towards itself. As I began to assemble what had happened, Dr. Drake finally broke. His skin flexed before ripping open. Like a molting lizard, he shook off his human form and became Mr. Dragon. I I called to Paladin over the rushing wind, but she was stuck. A single robotic tentacle held her in place. The beast roared and stumbled toward the ocean. In a panic, I took hold of the closest guardrail around the swirling portal and multiplied myself. We formed an unbroken chain of copies of myself. Each held the waist of the one created before, till we stretched the paladin. Pulling as one, we heaved her forward. The imposter Ichabal pulled itself up level with the room. It grasped at the sides of the facility with its tendrils. Mr. Dragon pushed through the opening, taking the robot with it. Steel shutters slammed down from the ceiling, closing off the hole. The alarms cut out. Only the lights of the instrument panels and the waning portal gave off any light. Miss Heyday stood up from behind the portal controls and brushed dust off her pantsuit. She said, Is everyone okay? What? 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 
What? What? All the me said in unison before collapsing back into one person. Paladin stood and walked with Double Take over his shoulder. Overhead, we heard Mr. Dragon clamoring across the top of the lab. Before we had a moment to think, Heyday rushed past us to the main doors. Come on, you two, she said. The robot was messing with the contamination procedures. With it outside, the facility will restart the security system. When it doesn't detect Dr. Drake, it'll drop the whole lab into the Faustini crater. Paladin wedged herself between the door and the wall. She pushed them apart until Double Take would fit through, and Paladin forced Heyday through. I was still in shock. I was outside myself, watching everything happen. The ceiling cracked and caved in under Mr. Dragon's weight. Paladin slipped through the door and yelled at me to join her. She was waving at me, and my feet began to move on instinct. I reached for her hand and I felt the tips of her armored fingers, right as the alarms began ringing again. As they did, the whole lab jostled before detaching from the hallway back to the main facility altogether. I watched the security door slam shut as the door tilted back into the abyss below. As I fell, I watched the room shrink, then disappear from view. I'd fallen into the open portal. Everything was still there. Everything was still where it should be. But I had stopped falling. I was stuck in place where the portal had been. The other side was a pale purple reflection of the world. I could see everyone as they were in the real world, but I couldn't reach them. I watched Mr. Dragon run, jump, and cling to the bridge back to the facility. I saw Heyday and Paladin running for the other end. It broke away from the cliffside. Paladin managed to fly the last few feet with Heyday over her other arm. The trio entered the airlock as Mr. Dragon burrowed into a supply depot nearby. Wow, Paladin is just great. Don't tell her I said that, said Doubletake. A ghostly form of my partner was floating in the air next to me. I tried to jump in fright, but couldn't move. I said, What? Who? How? He laughed and said, Hey, I don't get it either. One minute I was leaping between timelines faster than I ever have, and the next I was out here. I think it has to do with the portal. I nodded, or rather, concentrated on the concept of acknowledgement and said, That checks out. I fell into it, but I didn't see my body inside the lab. So what now? He melted some in the air and reformed. He said, The portal closed, but maybe we can still help by... Flame shot out of the facility. Escape pods launched from the ground. Mr. Dragon caught them in his mouth. A massive beast crushed the science facility before asphyxiating on the surface. As the compressed atmosphere escaped, it caught fire before extinguishing. The moon went silent. Double Take and I continued to float near the crater. Neither of us said anything. My form felt frozen in space. He reached out for my hand. As we touched, the world blurred. It was like two identical versions of reality, curled over one another. In one version, the moon is a smoldering scene of destruction. In the other, a pristine complex. How are you doing this? I asked. He said, Split, this isn't me. I thought this was you. He tried to rub his eyes, but they weren't fully physical now. 
I asked. Have you tried using your powers? He nodded. It's usually like picking a thread to follow. A possibility. When I try to use it now, it's like I'm standing on two skateboards going opposite directions. But I can't stay on either one, you know? I answered. It's like I'm on both skateboards, but I can't choose either. I willed my form back to the portal. It was still pulsating in the air above the facility. Dragging Double Take with me, I tried using my power to multiply myself. We both quaked as thousands of realities played out, overlaid over ours. No single reality had a positive outcome. In every one, something went wrong. In one, I was sneaking through the lab, searching for something. I searched every corner of a darkened room with a flashlight. Something scuttled out of view. I made a run for a medical cooler, but a steel tentacle stabbed me through and I fell to the ground. Myself, my current self, not the one I viewed, reached into that reality. I took hold of a vial from a fridge. Myself, the other self dying on the floor, watched me for a moment before dying. And another paladin stood alone on the lunar surface. She was holding one of Double Take's swords. It was plunged through the cybernetic archibald. The body had finally stopped moving. Behind her, the facility was crushed under Mr. Dragon. Wires from her arm cannon were attached to the sword. Double Take leaned into that reality and studied the improvements. He started to slip and fall, but I grabbed him by his form. His spirit? I envisioned standing on two skateboards and I brought my feet together. He snapped back to our in-between space. Paladin blinked. She said, What the hell was that? We maneuvered through a river of time, dimensions, and possibilities. We chose a scenario where Paladin and Double Take were standing opposite from one another. Double Take, the Double Take between time and space, placed his sword in Paladin's hand and ran a few wires from her arm cannon to it. I placed a vial of Dr. Drake's medicine in Heyday's hand. We whispered in Paladin's ear. Archibald's the, the imposter. imposter. Time resumed. Heyday administered another shot to Dr. Drake. Double takes blade in Paladin's hands, hummed with plasma. She ignited her engines and sailed at the robot. It tried to dodge, but Double Take held it in place. It started to stab him, but several copies of me held it back. The katana sunk through the creature. It fell limply to the ground. The survivors began congratulating each other. They high-fived and cheered. Double Take and I, however, didn't join them. We tried to reach out to the thread. We envisioned the skateboards, but we couldn't move them. We saw other possi we saw other possibilities that once stretched out in front of us fold into one another, till only one remained. We saw the other layered realities dissolved into a single point. The world moved on, leaving the two of us moored in timeless nothing. We felt the nothing chew at us, slow at first, faster after that. Like sandcastles falling apart in the tide, we felt... The imposter Archibald crumbled to the ground. Dr. Drake wiped his brow. Paladin ran to the communication panel. She started calling an Aegis support. Heyday was powering down the portal equipment. Double Take gave me a hug. He pulled me in tight like a celebration, but he whispered in my ear, Did you feel that? 
I pulled him in closer and replied, Yes. What happened? He shook his head and took my hand. I said, We died. A lot. I never feel that when a clone dies. I see it, but I never feel it. He tried to form other words, but he stumbled over them a few times. He managed to say, Usually it's like a bad dream. I wake up before it happens, but we didn't. We just kept. He got cut off by Dr. Drake, who shook our hands. He kept thinking us. While we tried to say it was all part of the job, the security doors flew open, and several lunar security forces entered the room. They began taking our statements. I didn't tell them anything about the fuzzy memories I had. I can't remember them, like a bad dream, but they stuck with me in flashes. A pair of security officers started placing restraints on the robot, Archibald, before placing the whole creature into a containment cage. I tried to speak to Doubletick again, but the officers began drilling him about his side of the story. I walked away, taking a seat at Heyday's desk. I took my first deep breath before choking on it. Laying on the desk was an empty vial of Dr. Drake's serum. I had seen it before, but I couldn't remember where. Touching it, I remembered being afraid, but not why. I picked it up, but the memories kept fading. The End So what'd you think? It was good. I liked the different perspective since we had a double takes perspective. This is now splits perspective and that was neat. Yeah. To get into. So then the sequel to this one will be Paladin's perspective. (laughs) I kind of thought about that too. But at first I was going to write the story about split and everybody in the moon base just running and hiding from the robotic monster and it was going to be a like an alien-esque story mm. and then i had this idea like oh no there should be like paladin fighting mr dragon on the lunar surface big showdown i was just no i should do this other thing and i was like wait split could do all those things if she had extra magic power of some kind and this story kind of came out of that yeah that's pretty cool yeah originally when we decided we were gonna do sequels to the the sequels i thought this was gonna go in a different direction like pick up a little bit after not immediately after (laughs) oh yeah what were you thinking like the first thing i pictured if i had done it was maybe like an interrogation scene with ichivo Oh. And them trying to get to the bottom of not Ichival. Or maybe Ichival's perspective of what was, like, the real Ichival's perspective of what was going on during this time. <laughs> like, I think I might have picked up with him. But I don't know. Those were just, yeah. like, the vague starting thoughts of something before, you know, you actually think about it too hard. <laughs> yeah, it'd be really cool to have, like, Paladin interrogating the robotic Archival. Yeah. Archival. 
Archie. So part four. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, what is it? Ro- Rochambeau? Ro- Rosham- Rosh- well, oh, man. Rashomon? What's that? Rashomon is a 1950 Japanese period film directed by Akira Kurosawa. I thought you meant Rashomon, the Digimon. Oh. <laughs> film is known for a plot device that involves various characters providing subjective, alternative, self-serving, and contradictory versions of the same event. So not just different perspectives, but like someone's got to be lying here. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. That was something I had fun with in early retirement was the Baron would say something. And I was hoping that whenever you read it, you're like, I don't know if that's true. Oh, I think yeah. you're making up stories. Yeah. So in some ways, this is an immediate sequel. Right. But also, it's an interquel. Yeah. Because it also happens while the other one's happening. Yeah. I went, whoa, Daniel went for like, what happens immediately after? And then I was just, oh, and he also kind of just says, remember how Quentin found the good ending? Well, now they've got to find the better ending. <laughs> it was like one-upping my story. It felt like. <laughs> I was inspired by your story. No, it was good. One thing that struck me, and I don't know why it didn't strike me this way the first time we had this setting. Yeah. What is Dr. Drake's goal with this facility that drops into the crater? I know it's supposed to be like a security device if he gets out, but it seems very destructive. <laughs> so... I don't think it's his choice. Okay. I think he is there at the bequest of a different organization. So it's like not prison prison? Yeah. Okay. I think it's sort of like if Bruce Banner and the Hulk never came to an understanding, but they don't want to just ship the Hulk off to... Planet Hulk? Yeah. This is the in-between choice they come up with. Okay. So I think Dr. Drake is sort of a tragic figure because he never really fully got to use his powers or like he has it more as like a curse or sees it more as a curse to himself yeah so that was my thought yeah i just read the part where i was like if it doesn't detect him it'll drop the whole lab into the crater and i was just you know what that is kind of a bit extreme (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why i didn't think about this before i think i just thought it was really cool which it is but i was just that's a bit dangerous for anyone else there that was one of the ideas I had was like the lab falls into the crater, but Mr. Dragon gets free and he's on top of the building and he's like clawing inside while everyone's like running and jumping over the next facility. And I'd written out a lot of that. and I was like, there's no way I could actually end this story now. <laughs> like at this plot point. Yeah. <laughs> it either end way too soon or way too late to do a full story. Yeah, I hate that sometimes. Yeah. You just can't quite make something work. Like, I think I could make it work as a visual, but not necessarily on writing, or at least like the way I was going about it. Yeah, okay. So, you had mentioned before that you thought maybe Double Take and Split's powers were similarly the same power, but diff- like opposite. And then this one, you made it more explicit here. Yeah. You put it into the canon instead of a theory. Yeah. I squashed all those fan theory websites that have been popping up about this. Yeah. I I did have a fan theory, but I didn't get it in first. 
So, uh-huh. what was yours? I don't remember what it was anymore. I meant to do something with it in the sequel, and I just focused on double take instead. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is this portal? So, I mean, originally I just set it up as a, a thing to be in the room to be more dangerous. Yeah. And then I think the robots came through it mm-hmm. in yours. So I was thinking, they mentioned briefly in Cliffhanger that it's related to Split's power set. So it's something to do with time powers. So I don't know for sure what it is, but I like the idea that it's something like the Speed Force, but for time travel heroes. The Time Force. Yeah. I'm sure Marvel's got that one locked down, too. There's that video game, Super Time Force Ultra. Ah, there it is. (laughs) I actually need to play more of that. That was really fun. You just keep making copies of your own self. It's kind of splits power. (laughs) I think I partially thought about that when I made her. But yeah, so I think it's just like a dimension or like concentrated time power. And so it just like super energizes her and double takes powers. Okay. But the... The bad people also used it, or they used it, and it just happens to be split time? Yeah. I think the bad guys could use it to make a a quick portal. Possibly a time portal. Okay. So maybe, like, something easy to track, so they try not to use it too often. And so maybe that's why they tried to make it at this particular time. Yeah. No. Oh, you don't have to fully define it. I just... I just wondered, because it seemed like at first it was a bad guy thing, but if they were interacting with it, it seemed... Yeah, because that was the experiment they originally came to watch. Was the portal? Yeah. So I messed that up in my story. Oh. (laughs) Well, it it was out of control. It got hijacked or something. Yeah. I think Ichabal was controlling it. At least that's how I interpret it. (laughs) And I interpret it as just a random portal opening up. (laughs) You want to do my story now? Sure. Let me go and read it. Okay, I'm going to go pee, and then I get to sit here and listen to reading. (laughs) Welcome to a live reading of Quentin's story. Yeah, you know what? Mm. Go for it. My voice has been not the best lately. Break by Quentin A. Pongratz. I still drink my coffee from mugs. I can't use the handle, of course. I have to sip my drinks through a straw. Yet I still like using mugs. There's just something about the design of a good mug. When I first received this curse and thought I could use it for good, I practiced on mugs. With cups and glasses, a small touch would break the whole thing. There was no stopping the break once a crack started with those. With a mug, though, I could practice control. I would touch the handle and try to halt the break at the joints. I would touch the body of the mug and try to keep the handle intact. Eventually... I got to where I could touch the mug at any spot and only the handle would fall off. I had to only touch for a second, any longer and it would continue breaking, but it had me believe I had master control of what I then called my ability. The practice was meaningless, though. The techniques I learned were useless when the form I was breaking changed. I had to break a lot of arms before I could break just the hand. Every day my coffee is served in a different mug. Well, not always different. Sometimes I don't break the mug after I'm done, and those pop back up. I will be breaking this one after I finish my coffee. Number one boss. I get it. I sip on the coffee and watch the briefing scroll by on the monitors before me. 
I can control the feed with an eye tracker, but the default scrolling is what I need for the most part. Seventeen died in a fire last night. There will need to be an investigation to see if anyone needs to be broken for this. If it's arson, it won't go public. We're a week away from two years free from crime. Can't have the streak broken by something as minor as that. Besides, it's not like the perpetrator will go unpunished. They'll just go without publicity. Even if it isn't arson, someone still may need to be punished for this. We can't have faulty wiring or buildings or anything else that someone has a hand in being subpar. We have gotten rid of crimes. Now we have the hard part of discouraging laziness and shoddiness. Utopia is a finely tuned machine that must have its faulty gears and cogs broken and replaced. Though maybe it's something else. Perhaps the inspectors are intentionally letting things go so they can blame and oust me. I'll log a note to look into that. I read the morning briefings, mostly budget squabblings that are below my concern. Plans for the crime-free festival upcoming. Major geopolitical stuff that mostly has no bearing on us. I sip the last of the coffee and go to break the mug. I don't need a mug to tell me my place. I bring my cup up. The graphic on the cup twitches. I pause. The number one boss text spins to the other side of the cylinder and is replaced by a mouth and a pair of eyes. Hello. Uh, hello. I lower my cups. I'm muggy. I blink. But you can call me boss on account of my tattoo. One of the cartoon eyes winks. I bring a cup back up and point it toward the mug. Remember the break-in last month? I stop. What can this mug know of that? I know who did it. I know why they did it. And if you keep me around, I can tell you everything. My assistant meets me outside my door. Can you get me another coffee for this meeting? I will have a cup waiting for you in the meeting room. Actually, make sure it's that mug I have in my room. No worries if that delays it. Oh, okay. Y yes, sir. I take my time walking to the meeting, and the mug is there waiting for me. Everyone is waiting on me. They can't really start without me. I smile and sit down, and someone I appointed stands and starts speaking. I don't listen. I watch as they present charts and graphs about efficacy and budget, but my eyes keep returning to those on the mug. You can hear it in her voice, says the mug. All of these facts and figures are just a smokescreen. They keep reporting these generous figures to lure you into that sense of security. Meanwhile, nothing is secure. When was the last time you walked the streets out among your people? I think. Just last week I went to the opening of that new park. Does that count? You know that doesn't count. Surrounded by guards and personnel, insulated from the outside like someone holding my handle is insulated from the heat I contain. When was the last time I actually went out without a whole entourage? The safest place in the world. Everyone around you claims it's while never leaving you alone. Are they afraid of violence against the bringer of peace and safety? They're shielding you from the facts, keeping you misinformed so they can depose you. Excuse me, I interrupt her. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, good presentation and all, but if I don't ask now, there's a chance I won't remember. Slight laughter from those around the table. A laughter at my self-deprecation or an inside joke about a believed mental decline they intend to seize on. 
Would it be possible to get access to the raw CCTV feeds in my office? She's stunned for a moment. A dumb question, or is she thinking of a reason to deny me access, fearing what I may find? Are the daily reports and accompanying footage not to your liking? No, those are great. I just want access to quiet my mind every so often, you know? I understand, sir. We can have a monitoring station installed in your office by next week. Stalling or actual timetable? Great, continue. Sorry, again, for interrupting. She smiles, but I can tell she's annoyed underneath. She continues presenting how safe the streets are. Is this truly propaganda for an audience of one? She finishes and gives way to the next speaker. I forget his title, but he's talking about the plans for the festivities marking the second year without crime. The mug starts talking over the man and his words about the logistics of the planned events. You think the heroes will let this happen? When was the last time I had to deal with those super-powered do-gooders trying to topple my nation? Destroy everything I've built here. It's been too long. They've been planning something. The big celebration would be the perfect opportunity to strike, too. I clear my throat. <clears> throat> and the man presenting pauses, waiting for me to follow up with something more. Logistics are important, but my mind is on safety first. The man sits down and Michonne's right-hand man stands in his place. Everyone calls him Elo, even though his name is something longer I can never recall. No threats currently on our radar that haven't been dealt with. Poor speaker or obfuscation? What an odd way to phrase that, I say. Sorry, let me clarify. We are already on top of anything that could possibly be a threat. There are rumblings about a planned demonstration by the FFFUCR that has been ferreted out and dealt with. Is that the freedom fighting whatevers? Fighting for freedom under corrupt regimes, he smiles. Because of their absurd name or because he believes my regime to be corrupt, illegitimate? Something he shares with an unlikely ally? Any others? I ask. A few smaller ones not worth mentioning. Honestly, with FFFUCR out of the picture, it will be smooth sailing. And Aegis? Everyone freezes. Seems you hit a nerve, says Muggy. Elo shuffles at the front of the room, unsure how to answer my question. Michonne stands up in front of him. Aegis won't do anything, you know this. He's lying, you know this. How am I to know this exactly, I ask. No word of them on my security briefings. Because they're of no threat. No threat to him once they've taken you out? No threat, I ask. A group of super cops is no threat to a state they deem as illegitimate and headed by a villain? Aegis is yesterday's news, says Michonne. They haven't been relevant on the world stage since Amy disappeared. Amy's back. Yeah, I say. Amy's back. And that's all the more reason they aren't going to come crashing our parade. Actually, we don't have a parade planned for- Metaphorically speaking. She was the bedrock of Aegis, and it collapsed without her. What they've built since then is back in shambles with her reappearance. And you know all of this because... Because I'm head of security, and I'm well aware of the situation here and abroad. And that's why you shouldn't second guess when I tell you that Aegis is not worth thinking about, let alone worrying about. He's lying. He's lying to protect Amy and overthrow you and... And I reach out and touch the mug. 
The cracks feel preordained. They run in lines across the surface and then connect with the lines on the other side until what once was whole is in pieces. The coffee inside spills from its carcass and across the table. The people seated nearby grab their folders and papers to keep them from getting wet, but do not dare stand and flee. I stand and leave the room and the mess behind. He knocks on the door, but doesn't wait for my response to come in. He knows if I didn't want him in here, I could have barred his keycard from working. I hear the door close behind him, but I don't turn to face him. I focus on the ice baths before me. Are you all right? He asks. I plunge my cups into the icy water. If he says anything as a follow-up, it's drowned out by the noise the baths make. I feel the ice suspended in the water. I feel the molecules of the water bonded to one another. Then I feel them break. I feel the ice crack and dissolve. Their rigidity fails and the solid becomes liquid. Then the bonds between the water molecules break and they float away. It feels like the one time I'm able to let loose with my curse. The one time a day I'm able to just let my hands do what they want instead of the constant restraint. It's not much, and I'm not truly unrestrained. But for one moment each day, I allow myself to feel the power without burden. I'm worried about you. I turn around and face Michonne. His face is full of worry. Actual concern, or... You can talk to me, he says. I break. I feel tears well up in my eyes. I, I can't lose all this. You won't, he says. You've got such a great team here. We're all working to keep this place working for your vision of good. It feels like I can't trust anyone, I say. Everyone seems out to get me. There's no one out to get you. One, all of these people admire you and respect you. You inspire everyone here. Two, I'm your head security officer. If anyone were planning anything against you, I would know about it. And then shortly after, there would be no one planning against you. He chuckles. I swallow. This is harder than I thought it would be. What about the break-in last month? An anomaly. The flaw in the system has been dealt with. There is no nefarious cause behind it. Why are the details always so scant on this subject, I ask. Michonne's turn to swallow. I turn away from him and towards the computer. They gave me those raw feeds I asked for. They wanted to wait until they could install a whole mess of monitors, but I insisted I wanted access now. They gave it to me because who would ignore a request from their ruler? See, I just wanted to find out what had triggered the alarm. Michonne starts to speak, but I don't let him. I know, I know, you said it was nothing. A malfunction of the system. An anomaly. You're fond of that word. But I scrubbed through the footage and, well, it appears that you are right. I had been paranoid about nothing. See? But then, you know how paranoia is. You can't stop scratching even if the itch has fled. So I did some digging. They have this live stream. It's a stupid little thing. They set it up so you could always see the flag of this here nation flying high. Some citizens going the extra mile to display their pride for their country. I don't get it personally, but I did find it helpful. Because the flag it watches is that one right outside of our fortress here. And just beyond that pole that displays the flag of this great nation, well, it's, it's your window there. Now the resolution isn't great enough to see what you're up to in there, so don't worry about that. 
but it is enough to see that you had a visitor the night of the break-in. One capable of flight, one that had just recently returned from an absence. It was Michonne's turn to have tears well up in his eyes. He swallowed back a lump in his throat. I, it wasn't. I can explain. Please do. Michonne's mouth starts moving, but I can't hear his words. A voice is talking over him. I can't focus on either at first, but the other voice overpowers Michonne's. It's a whisper, but still louder than Michonne's in the end. I look to my right to see where it's coming from. Muggy. No longer a mug, but the visage of one. Faintly glowing, perched just above my shoulder. Its cartoon mouth, mouthing a single word over and over. Lies. I pace around the room, as I had been doing for over an hour. Waiting was the hard part. No, waiting was the easy part. Asking would be the hard part. Asking from a despicable being such as him. I shudder. The computer monitor across the room lights up with the call. Answer, I say aloud. I hear you have a request. It takes all I have not to hang up on him. Yes. Well, I'm sure whatever it is, we can work out an appropriate payment. Perhaps some diplomatic immunity. Maybe set me up with a workshop in that little country of yours. Could be nice to be in such a crime-free environment. I take in a deep breath. Don't let him rattle you. We can work something out, I'm sure. So, what is this request of yours? I look down at Michonne's broken body. I hear you've been making some robot clones. I need one. The end. done so man i feel like just kind of <laughs> hit the nitro on story so cup hands is back yeah we're in his his city state of midas yeah uh so i guess my first question so he's cursed to break everything he touches yeah but he's learning how to not break things entirely no i think that's just he's had slight control it, like the extent of what you break I think is what, if, but if you keep touching it, like the longer he touches something, the more it breaks kind of deal. Okay. So if he touches something briefly, if he has enough control and familiarity with what he's touching, he can break part of it to kind of restrain his powers a bit. Okay. But even that is kind of something he views as foolish now. <laughs> right. Well, I guess my first and possibly most important question is Muggy real or imagined? I don't know. <laughs> I have my theories. Oh. But since this is from Cuphand's perspective, it's not entirely clear whether it's a figment or something someone wants him to see. Or if this were a world without superheroes and super technology, it would of course be something imagined. But... <laughs> <laughs> I would love it, though, to be an actual person named Muggy, whose power is to transport their image of themselves into your head and look like a cartoon mug. Personally, I think it's imagined. Yeah. Just because that fits better with the the theme of the story. But I do not have 
there's no textual evidence to support it one way or the other, I believe. Okay. Well, I like started out the story pondering on paranoia and conspiracy theories and just if you're believing different conspiracy theories, how do you like even get out of that? And I don't know if you do. Like I don't know how you can break out of believing conspiracy theories right. because lack of evidence is evidence. Contradictory evidence is evidence. <laughs> There's there's no getting out of it. And it didn't exactly land in that final spot of what I was thinking about, but it did give me a launch pad of paranoia. As I was thinking about it, uh, conspiracy is like thinking those above you are hiding something. But paranoia is kind of the flip side of it. Like everyone's to get you. And it's not like a wide conspiracy. It's like a targeted conspiracy. Oh, I never thought about it like yeah. that. I mean, I could just be, like, BSing here, but it, it seemed to make sense. Like, it's more likely that cup hands wouldn't be a conspiracy theorist because they're in power. Yeah. But paranoia is, like, there's conspiracies all around me, and they're just trying to get me personally. Okay. Yeah. You introduced a new character, Elo. You mentioned that they have a longer name. Yeah. Do you know what that is? Well, it's... Elton Oscar Ekans. Oh. And it's my character from Pandemic Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Elton Oscar is the first of middle names, and that's shortened down to Elo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Does Elo have powers, or are they a Centauri? I think or they're human? Centauri. Okay. Just a second command type person, that cool. type of character. I don't know if they're exactly the second. Yeah, they're, they're close with... Uh, Michonne. I did wonder when he's in the ice bath, is Cup Hands just heating up the water by breaking it? Yes. Nice. <laughs> that that has some cool implications. Yeah. When I was writing that part, I went, man, I don't know if this is how the science works. I kind of Googled some of this and <laughs> it sort of seems to make sense. Like, wa I... water is held together through hydrogen bonds, so if he's breaking those, they would evaporate, right? But as I was writing it, I was I, just, I don't know. Sounds kind of cool. I think Josh and I had this argument about superhero powers a long time ago. <laughs> so I thought it was funny that it came up here. Because we talked about like the physics. Like, is it one power to heat water? Or is that a separate power from like speed up objects? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could also break the bonds between the hydrogen and the oxygen and that would also evaporate it like right. one one is making steam and the other is making what air <laughs> yeah so but the breaking would cause heat i would think i think that's a science yeah thing. Th i think that checks out i think it's by science out. i think that i think cup pans well. is scientifically sound i think is where we landed on that one <laughs> with his body horror hands I, or I really liked the eye-tracking moment. Like, you oh, talked yeah. about how he operates the computer. Yeah. And thought that was really cool. Yeah. That seemed like something you maybe have had to Google some to figure no, out. No, I had known about, the, like, eye-tracking stuff. You can kind of do, like, a mouse with it. Oh, cool. And I had seen that stuff before. I was just trying to think. Anytime I encountered something where I was just writing just stuff happening, I went, is this possible for cup hands to do? <laughs> <laughs> So I thought, well, if he's getting news every morning, it probably just automatically scrolls. 
so that he doesn't have to do the eye tracking and then the eye tracking can be if he wants to examine something further or something okay but that would have to be how he gets through the computer stuff as he wouldn't be able to interface another way maybe like hand gestures in the air that that probably could have been cool minority report type stuff swiping his cups through the air yeah so do you want to discuss the big moment (laughs) how broken is michonne is he broke, bro? He did. Oh, shit. Yep. He broke Michonne. Yep. He can only come back in flashbacks now. Yeah. Hold on, I gotta go edit my time-based story. And Michonne came out of the portal. What? Wow. Happy and healthy. <laughs> what? No, it felt fun to do a big death. Yeah. I was talking to Kate earlier today about this, but I think you kind of have to earn character deaths. Like, you can't just... This is Carl. He's dead. Yeah. Like, that feels kind of empty. And it's like, okay, Carl's dead. That's fine. But whenever you've built up a character, even as a little bit of building we did for Michonne. Yeah. Whenever they die, it's like, oh, no, what? This is a complication? Like, there's implications for this? Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And I figured with how our universe works, they can be in other stories fleshing out background and stuff like that and with how i did the next part (laughs) oh oh yeah so then he's on a mysterious call with someone to order a robotic replacement yeah who who's he on the call did we say this in an episode (laughs) this was uh i don't remember if we have or not you know who it is though right (laughs) i think it is the amazing richard yeah. Yeah, that's right. We were talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was following up some threads. <laughs> yeah. Look at you. Following up threads, not just opening new cans of worms. Yeah, I'm closing one thread, and that thread is Michonne's life. <laughs> and opening another and then picking up another thread that you put down in birthdays. Yeah. That suggested the amazing Richard was behind those robot doubles in cliffhangers this this episode feels very incestuous <laughs> it just keeps referring to itself i mean it is part three of a story that we've co-written yeah so. so the robot doubles that we started in the original part three stuff and the original two parts which was continued on in birthdays as a, like a little nugget is now brought back here where Cup Hands is requesting a robot double of Michonne, so that I assume no one knows Michonne is dead. <laughs> yeah. That just also reminds me, in the original cliffhangers for your story, Cup Hands falls into outer space. Yeah. Then in my story, or then we had the world build where we made up the Centauri, and then I made up Michonne to come out and get Cup Hands out of space. And now we're seeing the end. So it was like, beginning the genesis of michonne and the ending in this oh yeah this story series yeah i didn't intend to kill one of your toys man daniel sure loves michonne i just thought it would be very cool to relate it back to this plot line we're trying to develop yeah no this is good and this puts a new plate up in the air and i continued spinning that other plate that amy dangerous michonne plate that you're fond of mm. i didn't mention her by name I am. <laughs> right Not in that final bit at least i could see a really good scene though now because maybe she comes to visit and something's off yeah i don't know exactly i didn't 
figure out exactly what uh, her initial visit was. I don't know if it was, uh, hey, I just got back, things are weird, <laughs> or, yeah, hey, I heard you were up to something, Michonne, and I'm going to tell you to cut it out. Like, I don't, I don't know what that meeting was. Yeah. But Cuphand certainly took it in a negative light. Which is really depressing because, I mean, since he's paranoid, it makes sense, but it probably was just something, yeah. like, not involving him. Yeah. I really wanted to write that scene, but it just had no place in the story. <laughs> so maybe I'll I'll write this scene one day. But right. yeah, nice. I uh... just I had to shuffle our stories around because I really wanted the death to come at the end. It just seemed like a big <sighs> bombshell good. to be in the middle. I mean, my story literally didn't change anything, <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to get this big bombshell. Mm. <laughs> Super powered instruments. But yeah, I think we're done talking about my story. Okay. Right? Yeah. All right. So next week, do you want to do a part four or do a different sequel for a different story? Uh, I think just a sequel of any story of our choosing. Or do we want okay. to make it random? We put all the names of all of our stories in a hat and we each draw one. I'm not that good at drawing. Well, you know, now's the time. I mean, if I'm going to learn... It might as well be in an auditory format that I learned to draw. Wait, wait, wait. If we do this, we could do it now. Um, can you get the number of stories we have? So oh, okay. Number yeah, of story episodes that. times two, I guess. Oh, I thought we'd done a whole lot more stories. No, we had we had done we had four, a bunch of bye weeks. We had a bunch of bye weeks. We done fourteen. Fourteen. So between one and twenty-eight. Uh, two stories each. Oh, okay, yeah. I left cliffhangers okay, out. Okay, do you want yours first or mine first? Oh, let's do mine. Okay. Oh, 27. So the 14th, uh, 14th one you have, first story of that one. Okay, yeah. So that's Mice and the Wisp, issue one. So you can do issue two. You don't have yeah. to do issue two. You can skip some issues, but sequel oh, to yeah. that story. Okay, so I'm going to hit a random on mine. Okay. Seven. So that's what? The first story of the fourth episode. So that's Tabula Rossi. Tabula Rasa? I think it was my story first. What was yours? The Michonne story. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which one so... was that? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, that's fitting, I guess. <laughs> so we're both good with that, I guess. That works for me. I think I've got a story idea I've been thinking on for that one. Man, I've got a couple of Bison Wisp act stories, actually, that I've been thinking on. I don't know if I should use one of those. Or... Pick the coolest one. Oh, mm. Yeah. So next story episode that we do will be a sequel to Bison and Wisp issue one and a sequel to what was yours just called? Yours was called Blank Slate. Yeah. So I covered Michonne's end. Now it's time to cover <laughs> the sequel to Michonne's beginning. Ooh. He's a good character, Brett. <laughs> so we're saying sequel, but I I really think we're just what I'm writing Michonne's story and you're writing a Bison and Wisp story, not necessarily right after. I mean, I guess we can figure out once we start writing where we end up. But we're not like bound to like it's not part 2 necessarily. Right. Yeah. Like I think what you did with cup hands was pretty good as yeah, a part three it's acceptable it, it fit the feeling of what a part three to that story would have been but uh i'll have to think up some michonne stuff yeah 
I didn't ever think I'd have to write about this guy after <laughs> what I just did. You hoped you'd really put the nail in the coffin on that one, huh? Yeah, I was like, I'll throw Daniel a Michonne Amy bone and uh, get this character out of here. Guess are we done with this episode? Thanks. So. We need to say our end stuff. Yeah. Remember, if you want to enter a contest where you can win a pumpkin wrapper Funko Pop and some double issue buttons and maybe a sticker, just send in a fan creation to double issue show at gmail.com. Any fan creation will do. Um, we'll make the winner canon. And I don't know if we have a whole lot of fans to make this contest really fair. But there's a deadline that may or may not be met. So go ahead and send whatever you got in. Even if it seems way later on. Maybe we haven't found a winner yet. So <laughs> so go ahead and do that. Because that would be fun. We want to send this Funko Pop out to someone. Because I just got three of them over there on my bookshelf. Staring at me with their upside down <laughs> pumpkin faces. Aww. One of them's Daniels. Yeah. Unless we find two winners. Then I will immediately take Daniels away from him and send it out to the second winner. Oh, but I want a second winner too. Oh, Daniels got a Goldar. Yeah, it's true. That's what I actually cared about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was say Goldar actually came up in my suggested Amazon. I was like, oh yeah, I do like that. Oh wait, I shouldn't buy that. <laughs> and to think this contest wouldn't have happened if uh, they had had like Rita Repulsor and Lord Zed, I would have gone, oh, a whole set. Yeah. You know, <laughs> The four Power Rangers villain. Rita Repulsa, Lord <laughs> Zen, Goldar, and Pumpkin Man. Pumpkin River. <laughs> so yeah, just send a fan creation, a drawing, a rough sketch on a napkin, a story, a rap, a song, whatever. I don't know. You be creative. Yeah. Yeah, send us your stuff. Yeah. Do you got any recommendations this week? I do. I'm recommending that everyone should go out and play... Beat the Artbreaker, a game by Ouch, O-W-C-H, on Itch.io. Uh, put a link in the description. But it's a game put together by at Super Blizzard on Twitter. Oh. And it just looks really fun and cool. Oh, nice. But it's a really cool looking game. And I've been watching the development blogs, and I was really excited to see that it was the full version was out. And it's like a play, pay what you want game. And then I'm also recommending... September 1999, because Quentin shared it with me, and now I may never sleep again. Yeah, y'all, it, it's Halloween season, and so if you want to have a little scary experience, it's uh, it's five and a half minutes of your time, and it's <laughs> more or as disturbing as watching a full-length horror movie. So if you want to get in that holiday it, season. It's a little graphic, but it's really worth it. Like, it's just really unsettling. And a whole lot of fun. And it's also pay what you want. So you can get it for free. But if you enjoy it, definitely try to send money their way if you can. Yeah, it's really well made. Like, it looks like a VHS tape from 1999. Yeah, that's the, the gimmick here is it, it looks like you're watching a home recorded VHS tape, but you're playing a game. My last recommendation. Oh, three recommendations. You can cut them out wherever <laughs> you want. I mean. <laughs> these could all get edited out I don't, I don't know but there's a website called podcast campfire if you're thinking about getting into podcasting and it seemed really cool i'm just now checking it out but they've got like message boards and forums and stuff like that yeah it seems like a good community and they featured us 
Yeah, that's the reason I put them in recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I was going to recommend an anime, but I haven't finished it yet, so I want to wait until I finish it. But I think I'll recommend the game Heat Signature. Uh, they had a birthday update recently, and it had a, a whole bunch of new features. And I can't remember if I just told Daniel about them or mentioned it on the podcast, but it's a very... Uh, very fun systems driven game so it can it, like su- surprising things can happen all the time and uh i've been recording myself doing the dailies recently so you can also check me doing those out backhanded self promotion but uh <laughs> there it, it's been fun to record them and more fun to play the game than record them i would say <laughs> so go check out that game are you putting your videos up on like YouTube or? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we I guess we could put a link to that. I was reading some of the player stories about it, oh. and it seems like it's got a lot of that lore that you build in yourself. Yeah. About who you are, like it. It seems like it's really good about that. It's just, oh man. Yeah, it's very good about player stories. That's actually a thing I wanted to do before we started this podcast. I was considering doing a. <laughs> Because I was looking for a creative outlet, I think. I was uh, considering doing a series where I played through the game, but I would kind of edit it down and just tell stories of the different characters in this. And Hmm. it was going to be like half writing, but also half uh, just kind of playing it and seeing how it unfolds and then writing stories based around that inspired by that kind of deal it's really fun to get into your characters because now they've added different traits like your character can be weak and they can't use a melee weapon so not only does that impact gameplay but can affect the story like why why is your character weak and can't do that anymore but yeah it's a really fun game so i'll go pay for all these free games and then i'll go check that one out (laughs) if you like our show art it's by lisa prather She's got an Instagram, instagram.com slash Art, or her website, lisapratherart.com. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter, at Quinebongra. Find me on Twitter, at Guare, because I like being difficult. Yeah. We got a website, Twitter, Facebook, WordPress, Discord, Double Issue, or Double Issue Show. All the links are in the show notes. Give us a, yeah. a review, or a like, or a share, or just put earbuds in your friends' ears and make them listen to it. <laughs> whatever you do do not board up your windows and lock yourself into two small rooms with just a mattress and some bottles yeah and listen to the show yeah don't do that one. or do if you're li- as long as you're listening to the show that's true maybe you do listen to the show <laughs> okay i think that's it for us this week they'll they'll read you some credits whoever's reading credits this time Basically, yeah. who has whoever is done with their their sound editing last has <laughs> to read the credits as punishment. Yeah, it's kind of shame, but I mean, it's I deserve that if I get done last. <laughs> it's not always that way. Sometimes, if the person is so slow with their audio editing, the other person is trying to speed them up. They will record the credits for the other person. <laughs> it's both of us, y'all. We're both bad at being on time. Yeah, my favorite is right before release whenever one of us will probably get the message like yeah so if you just throw most of the episode up in the folder i'll finish it (laughs) which is code for i'm not done (laughs) yeah so if you want to find us you can do so 
at shop.littlebits.com slash shopkits slash official dash kits. No, they're stealing our customers. Or just go to littlebits.com and you can click the shop tab so you don't have to do all of that URL. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. Hey, future Daniel here. Here to read the song credits. Our theme song was The Free Harmonics by the Free Harmonic Orchestra. Other songs used for the show? Glimpse of Eternity by Maidun. Morph by Soft and Furious. Concern by Nocturne. Cylinder 7 by Chris Zabriskie. Breakdown by Midair Machine. Music from Free Music Archive. Sound effects from freesound.org. All songs and sounds were used under Creative Commons licenses. See our episode notes for links and citations, as well as our sources. Okay, bye now. Okay, so, like, obviously what has to happen next is, like, Amy comes flying down to Midas. She, like, slips inside Michonne's window and she thinks, like, yeah, we're going to just, like, hang out and chill. And then, like, he looks up real quick at the camera, and his eyes glow red. And he's like, I've been expecting you. And then it just, like, fast cut. Because the credits have already played. Yeah, that's what has to happen now. It's got to set up the next movie.